Hi guys, uh, we're uh, going to start our presentation now. So um, ours is called Beyond the Presets. I'm Brian Trifon. Uh, and I'm Brian Lee White. We are collectively Finishing Move. Uh, we are sound designers and composers. And uh, we've had the good fortune to work on lots of cool projects. Uh, today, we're here to talk to you about musical sound design. And so we're going to go over a little overview of, of what we think musical sound design is, show you some examples of our unique workflow and some outcomes of, of us designing musical sounds for different projects. And then we're going to give you some tips on how you can start making your own musical sounds. So when we say musical sound design, what exactly are we talking about? Uh, really, it's just the process of creating unique and custom sounds or instruments to use in support of your compositions. So instead of just making a you know, gunshot sound effect or a foot shot, uh, footstep sound effect, you're actually making sounds that then go into musical compositions. And that could be something as simple as you know, playing a bucket drum like this guy here, or it could get into the realm of crazy modular synthesis, because it, it really just, you know, it's whatever you want it to be for your style of composition. And so basically we have a philosophy uh, of be better by being different. And so what that kind of means is if you think about it, like everyone has access to the same tools, both musical tools such as scales and harmony, things like that, and then also the same tools of, of production. So everyone has the same DAWs and plugins. Um, everyone's got, uh, you know, Omnisphere and ADO and all that stuff. Um, and so it's the, when you create your own sounds and you have your own custom things that no one else has, uh, you end up being able to have a competitive advantage. And it's not always that what you create is going to be better, but just by actually recording something and tweaking some stuff, it ends up being different. Uh, and that different is enough to stand out and sort of help shape your own sound. Um, and that's, that's what we mean by be better by being different. And so by, by being different, you're, you're essentially developing a signature sound. And there's a couple reasons why you'd want to develop a signature sound just beyond just it's really cool and, and fun to have an original voice. Uh, you might be a composer that's looking to uh, have an edge out in the market, have something that, that nobody else does. Like, oh, he sounds like this, and it's easily recognizable. Uh, you might be um, a game studio that's looking to brand a specific franchise in a specific way. Like, we really want this to sound like this. It has its own sound, its own vibe. Um, and, and beyond that, sort of going through this process of, of uh, creating new sounds or sort of developing new musical tools uh, really helps you get out of the sort of day-to-day -day composition task. So if you're a composer that's typically working with the same template and it's static, it stays you know, pretty much the same, and you're just grinding through minutes trying to, trying to get the work out there, uh, sort of taking breaks to uh, work and think about sounds and, and, and different things you could incorporate uh, really helps improve your, your ears and kind of puts you in a different mindset than just the sort of typical composing uh, with, with all the tools you're used to. So yeah, so we're going to show you a couple of workflow examples of uh, how we make some sounds and the types of things that we 
find most useful. So the first example that I'm gonna show you is basically uh, the like most simple type of sampler kit. However, it's like the most common that we use, which is like a single sample, single zone mapped out across the keyboard. Um, and you'd think, well, you know, maybe that's not that great, but it ends up being that like 90% of what we end up using that are our custom sounds are often these really simple kits. So this one is basically I bowed the spokes on a bicycle just to get one pure tone and then looped it. Um, so I'll show you what that is like. Let's see if this plays with audio. So it's like even with just one sample, one note, you can get something that's really expressive. And even though it's playing back faster at higher pitches and slower at lower pitches, that actually with that particular sound and the way it loops, it works really well. So something we do a lot, uh, and I imagine a lot of game composers do quite a bit, is have the need to do a lot of action underscore music, tension music stuff that you're gonna be fighting battles to. And, and one thing that we find super useful, obviously, are pulses and motors. We call them motors, so sort of any sound that kind of loops and repeats. And of course, there's a ton of libraries out there, a ton of synthesizers or contact kits and things like that, that already, you know, you press a button and digga 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 digga. We found that sort of making our own and having sort of our, our custom set uh, that we can go to that's sort of pre-made and tempo-synced uh, actually, actually allows us to sound really unique but be very fast in our compositions. And here's an example of that process. So this is in context from Halo Wars 2. pause this here and we can kind of talk through it. So what we're doing is we're basically recording an instrument at a very slow tempo because speeding stuff up sounds a lot more natural than it does uh, slowing it down. Uh, and, and the idea is we're recording sort of repetitive performances. They don't uh, always have to be the same note you'll see in some of these examples. Uh, we're editing those to be very tight and in time or as much as we want them to be. Uh, and then we're mapping each note to the correct pitch inside. We're using contact in this case. And then we're using the, the, uh, the suite of tools inside of contact to tempo map those so that then we can play those kits at any tempo. So this is the recording, obviously, of the guitar. That's just one note being held. Well, this is, a, yeah, it's like a phrase, this little riff.
can see this is a hammer-on, so it doesn't have to be the same exact note. So um, yeah, that's the uh, tempo synced uh, motor kits that we use a lot. Um, and, and like Brian was saying, it's really good for just getting the momentum of something going. Um, this next example, I'm gonna show you basically a bowed sound that I made with, a, uh, it's like a heavily designed sound with a guitar viol. And so sometimes like what we're looking for are sounds that are not quite natural. Like it's organic, but it sounds like just grittier and larger than if you just like this guitar viol with a mic in front of it. Um, and you can do that by layering basically different aspects of the sound. So this is like, there's just like the, the long bowed notes. Um, then there's a layer that's like this milk foamer thing that has like a rattling sound. Uh, and then there's a pluck layer for the attack. And so just by layering different and like designing a bow sound, um, you, you can get this sort of larger than life, really unique sound. So I'll show it to you in, in context and then it sort of goes through the process. So here's this. So that's, that's the design sound, and then here's it. Process, sort of the layers, just what it sounds like. And then it's, I'll show it separated out. And then there's this like milk foamer rattly layer. And then a pluck for the attack. And so then all of those combined, you know, you add EQ, compression, distortion to really make it more of a, a you know, not just such a small sound. Um, find the loop points, all that. And then what I did is like analyze the pitch, amplitude, format envelopes, and I have a system, the Kima system, where you can resynthesize it and then control it on the iPad, like for really expressive.
So we could like play this really designed sound, but play it really expressively, and that's that's I think is is really cool. You could have also just we could have stopped at a one shot like before the Kima example, and yeah. we'll make sounds like that all the time, and just sort of leave them like that and pitch them around in the DAW. Yeah, and that's and we have versions of it that because Kima it's cool, but it's its own nightmare also. So. Uh, it's it's there's a version in contact where it's just you don't have the like polyphonic pitch bend control, but usually you don't always need that for things. Um, so another type of uh, kit that we use commonly uh, is these like non-chromatic mapped kits. And so uh, in the example I'm going to show you, basically we recorded um, like a vocal session with a with a friend of mine, and he's singing just different notes all in the same key as the piece of music he was, was working on. Um, and then there's some phrases. Uh, but when I, when I mapped it out, I, just, I didn't map it chromatically or even in ascending pitch, like modally. It's just kind of, it's all in the same key, but it's sort of random. And the reason that we do that sometimes is like, it's actually really good for getting out of creative ruts. Like when, when you can play things and the result you get is kind of unexpected um, and, you know, uh, yeah, and then if you need to change keys, you just adjust the master tuning. So I'll, I'll show you that. Yeah. So yeah, there's these like just mapped kind of all in the same key. It, you can end up, you know, uh, coming up with some interesting stuff that you wouldn't just normally like chords that you you just go to um, on the keyboard. And that's for us, we found that to be really useful um, for a lot of things. So you can do this too. Anybody remember what about Bob? That. So um, where where do you start? So if you if if you've never approached sound design or musical sound design and you're used to just kind of working with off-the-shelf tools, uh, it can seem kind of daunting kind of jumping into, like we showed the Kima or getting into heavy editing and things like that. You, you, don't, you don't have to start by making a commercially releasable contact instrument. You just have to start small. And, and, and some of the spaces where I, I, I think you can start in if you're, if you're just getting started in this is, is to start by tweaking factory presets or sample libraries or things that you already have and, and making them your own. So take the preset, take something you already like, and then start tweaking it, start changing the parameters. And then maybe that sort of gives you the inspiration to kind of learn what some of those parameters are. And, and this kind of comes along with the next point is learning basic subtractive synthesis, even if you don't want to be a synth programmer person or you have no aspirations of owning a huge modular rig or anything like that, uh, just learning the basics of subtractive synthesis. There's one in every DAW. There's one that comes free with, with basically every uh, workstation now. Uh, but the idea is that if you can get a handle on things like envelopes, 
uh, modulation sources, uh, just sort of the basic building blocks of manipulating sound, these get transferred over into almost everything. So you yeah. can, once you know how to use an envelope, uh, you can go into contact, and when you're sampling your own sounds, you know how to control the shape uh, or the arc of the sound over time. Uh, you learn about modulation, you learn how to change the sound over time. And again, the, your goal at first should be not to make sounds from scratch, really great sounds, like, oh, I just got this Moog synthesizer and I'm gonna make a really great bass from scratch. Uh, that's a great aspirational goal, but start by taking sounds that are already really good that you like and, and sort of manipulating the parameters and, and learn them that way so that you really kind of get an understanding. And, for, you know, for a lot of people, that's enough, is there sort of being able to take stuff that already sounds really good and then make it your own. Uh, so you don't need to be a synth person. And, and I would say that uh, for a lot of the instruments that, that we make, you don't even have to be able to play that instrument, like that cello viol thing. Like yeah. neither of us can play that competently at nope. all. So don't be afraid to take instruments that you don't play at all but approach them in a way like, well, I'm gonna kind of like record some cool sounds out of it and, and see how I can use these. It's, it's, it's like a, it becomes a noisemaker. Like I just bought a cello that was $250. So you can imagine it's not like the nicest cello, but it's just for making noises, you know. Um, and, and it's, yeah, it's been really cool for designing sounds. So the next point is you probably wanna learn a sampler and uh, contact is probably the place to start just because it's the most common one out there and it's compatible, um, you know, between Mac and PC and all that and, and any of the DAWs. Um, and the place to start is kind of like that first example we showed you of that Bode bike where it's just, you do a simple one-shot kit where it's just one sample that you map out. Um, and then the next thing to do is just to re record percussion things around your house, like anything that makes any kind of sound, knocking on a table, whatever it is, um, and, and just, you know, you map that out, just one per zone, or you can try mapping just one sound across the whole keyboard, see, see what works best. Um, but a lot of those kits, like, we still use all the time, just these really simple percussion things. Um, and, uh, from there, you can get uh, go on to the tempo sync kits that we showed. Remember, the key with that is just record your source material really slowly, um, because then it will pretty much work at any tempo. Uh, from there, you can do like round robins and multiple velocity layers, um, and you know you can get to it, you can approach that level of like the commercially releasable uh, sort of kits, but. That's not always necessary, and I think that's one of the, our main points, is uh, a lot of the, like, we've released commercial libraries, and that was a lot of extra work. A lot, a lot of the ones that we actually use day to day, um, you know, it's not as polished as that. They're sort of like one-trick pony things that are really great at one thing, and we have a whole bunch of them, and we know how to use them, and, and that tends to be the most useful. Um, but generally, yeah, just keep it simple and, and find what works for you. Yeah, it only has to work for you. It can be ugly, have no GUI. It could be all. It could be just where the pitches don't match at all. As long as you know how to use it and and use it creatively in your compositions, it 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 doesn't matter how it all comes together. And uh, like we said, we we're recording instruments. We have no capability in playing or have no business playing all the time and making cool sounds and having a ton of fun. And that kind of brings up this next point. Um, again, if you're, if you're usually working with, with MIDI, 
uh, in a template and you're sort of working on that side of, of composition, uh, notes, harmonies, melodies, things like that, uh, take some time out to build up your recording and engineering and editing chops. So uh, recording audio and recording it well and uh, getting clean signals and being able to edit those, that's its, that's its own skill, just as much as uh, composing and, and working with melody and harmony is. So you're not just gonna jump in day one and you know be able to do the best recording you've ever done. You need to make time and spend time practicing this, sort of how to, if I use this mic and I put it here, how does it sound? Uh, how do I edit something uh, efficiently and quickly in my DAW? So just sort of working on those kind of uh, audio recording and engineering skills if you're, if you're spending a lot of your time on just the composition and sort of MIDI side is, is a great idea. Yeah, and, and the other thing too is um, if you wanna just set aside time on a project Base to, to like do a little bit of research and development to create the sounds. You don't want to do it while you're on a deadline. I think there's nothing that's more frustrating than trying to write music and then design sounds at the same time. Um, I think it's really hard to do and you want to separate out that workflow um, because, uh, yeah, it takes a long time to design good sounds. And you can also spend a lot of time that feels quite unproductive and not really know if it was productive until later, um, until you've done a lot of editing, until you've mapped things out into kits and you start playing around and, and you know realize like, oh, maybe this is cool, maybe it wasn't. I mean, there's definitely one example, there's a kit that we use where it's an acoustic guitar and like I like yelled into the guitar hole and then I cut out the yell, but it, it causes the strings to resonate, just that, like the impulse of the voice. Um, and I did like spend a day doing that, and I was like, I might have just wasted an entire day of you know like yelling into an acoustic guitar, uh, but it, it ended up being really cool. So it's like you you want to set aside the time to do it to do those experiments. Um, usually, like at the very beginning of a project, like if um, if you want to create sort of specific, like a lot of times what we'll do is create a specific palette of sounds for a game, like Halo Wars 2. Like we spent a lot of time like just creating a bunch of custom sounds just for that. Um, and, you know, and, and then during our downtime, we'll, we'll create sounds and, and do that. But you don't want to do it in the middle of a project. That could be really frustrating. And for the, for the audio directors in the room, um, you know, build that into your composer's time. So if you're thinking about you know, hiring a composing team or a composer, uh, think about maybe giving them a little bit of time or even money maybe to experiment with <laughs> developing, you know, a, a signature sound for that game. So it's not just like, oh my God, okay, the game's almost done. We have like, you have like two days to do 100 minutes of music. Okay, go. Yeah. Uh, so when that happens, it's really great to have spent your own time doing R&D. And now you can pull out all your big gun custom sounds that you've made in your downtime and sound like a million dollars when you only have like a day to compose a ton yeah. of music. So that's a reason to make your own time. And if you're working on a game, uh, I think it's it's cool if the studio can sort of plan ahead and make some time to you know give you that time and 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 maybe you even have a a recording session earlier instead of later to kind of build yeah. custom sounds from. So instead of of kind of working up to this big final last recording session where you're going to get all the orchestra done and hopefully it's all great, 
you know, maybe you have a little sort of ensemble session or percussion session or something like that sort of towards the beginning of the process to kind of get some really creative signature stuff that, that can then be just worked with and manipulated for over the whole course of, of how the game develops. Um, so that's pretty much it. We don't have much time. We could probably take one question and then, or, and then we, we'll be around. We're happy to talk to you guys. Uh, so if anyone has uh, one question, uh, we're happy to take it. Yes. Do you find, uh, do you find that you, when you make a new sound, uh, do you find that that inspires you to write a piece? Or do you more have an idea for a piece and then say, oh, you know what, this sound would be really good? Right. So I think it's usually the, the first thing that you said of like that creating sounds sometimes will be the thing that inspires the pieces. Like that happens more often. Um, and it's actually, I would say that if you find yourself in a rut compositionally, it can be great to take a break to just go make sounds without yeah, having any kind absolutely. of uh, agenda compositionally. And then what can happen is, 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 is what you said, you like come up with something and it totally inspires you. Just like how I'm sure everybody's you know, gotten a new sample library or presets and they go through and then they hit that one sound and you're like, oh, that, and you start kind of playing a chord and you're like, wow, that's really inspiring me to kind of write this piece. It, the same can be true with your own sound design process. Sometimes we'll make sounds because we need them, but oftentimes, that's like nine, nine times out of 10, we're kind of just giving ourselves the freedom to make a bunch of sucky sounds until like a really cool one comes, comes, along. comes along. Yeah. All right, well, that's, cool. uh, that's time. Thank you guys so much.